Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club offers bird walks, lectures, and a quarterly newsletter all focused on the hundreds of bird species that pass through Rhode Island. Fall is the perfect time to bid farewell to the last of the summer migrants. Find us at OceanStateBirdClub.org and follow us on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 703. Starting off with something kind of amazing. It's the discovery of a tribrid warbler, the offspring of a hybrid warbler mother, and in this case, a warbler father. That's not only a different species, but even from a different genus. That's a combination never before recorded, according to the lead author of the piece describing the discovery, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Dr. Dave Taves who was a guest here on Talking Birds a while back, by the way. He describes the discovery as extremely rare. The female, he says, is a golden-winged, blue-winged warbler hybrid called a Brewster's warbler in this instance. She then mated with a chestnut-sided warbler and successfully reproduced. And the really cool part of this story also is that the bird was discovered by a man who describes himself as a newbie birder. I think he's a little modest there, but Lowell Burkett first saw the bird in May near his property in Roaring Spring, Pennsylvania. And he says he assumed at the time it was a Brewster's warbler, a common hybrid of the golden-winged and the blue-winged warblers. But when he edited some photos of the bird, he noticed that it had brownish spots on its chest. Brewster's warblers don't have spots. Mr. Burkett contacted the Cornell lab, and the rest... As they say is history, the bird was captured, tagged, and then set free. And the folks at the lab say they'll keep an eye on the location where the bird was found in hopes of discovering whether it will reproduce. So a mysterious sighting apparently explained. And speaking of mysterious, it's our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest. Coming up a little bit later in the show, just kind of getting you ready for it with some clues. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized, stocky wading bird with a short neck and thick black bill. A black cap, gray wings, and white underparts. Our bird lives in various wetland habitats and sometimes in fields, eating fish, frogs, lizards, and rodents. It's sometimes called the quack bird because it sounds like this. That's our mystery bird, a little preview of our mystery bird contest coming up a little bit later on in this morning's show. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Two young sisters in the UK, 11-year-old Asha and 8-year-old Gia, love orangutans. And they were understandably upset when they learned that the orangutans are being killed and orphaned in their jungle homes destroyed by companies who want cheap palm oil. Only last month, a Greenpeace investigation found that the makers of Kellogg's cereals are among those still buying their palm oil from companies that destroy rainforests, resulting in the death of orangutans. 
So Asha and Gia are asking Kellogg's to stop using those suppliers immediately and to tell the public exactly which palm oil companies they buy from. Find out more about it and see Asha and Gia's petition on our Facebook page. And stay tuned for updates on this story here on Talking Birds. A 75-million-year-old fossil shows that a certain group of ancient birds could fly as well as their more successful peers. So why is it that this group died out? We have a story that explores the question, courtesy of Cosmos magazine. Not Cosmo, but Cosmos. And in the latest edition of his amazing newspaper column, Ask the Bird Folks, our man Mike O'Connor offers some fascinating facts about ruddy ducks and duck boats. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Not a Facebook follower? Not to worry, you can find those stories through your Google machine. Well, every week uh, so far, we've been able to say thank you to more Talking Birds ambassadors, and we are most grateful to them, folks who transition from being Talking Birds listeners to being also ambassadors of our show and volunteering to hand out some of our little info cards to their friends and neighbors and associates. And today, we're happy to say thank you to Robin Rogers from Astoria, Oregon, right there in the Pacific Coast at the mouth of the Great Columbia River, separating the states of Oregon and Washington. She says she started birding many years ago by watching and drawing birds where she lived, then about 10 years later, joined a group uh, with her husband, did some camping and hiking, met lots of friends, went out with one woman friend who's an avid birder and journals about all her travels. She says, we haven't lived in that area, but I still get her journals. It's a love of mine. We also encourage and live with less plastic and lessen our carbon footprint when possible. We put out feeders and have deer come through our yard. Well, thank you, Robin. And by the way, the area Robin referred to is around Paradise, California, which, as we all by now know, has been almost entirely destroyed by the enormous wildfire there. We're all hoping for the best for all the folks who have lost so much, including many loved ones there in Paradise and surrounding towns. And we hope for the best, too, for folks in many other cities and towns in those horribly destructive fires in northern and southern California. Well, a long way from Oregon, in the other direction from where we are, uh, is our newest ambassador, Tapani Raylander, from central Finland. He gave us the name of his town and region, but recommended we not try to pronounce it. So <laughs> so we're going with Central Finland. Uh, Tapani says, greetings from Finland. I've been listening to your show podcast for a couple of years. It's very nice to hear how similar we birders are in the world. Birding is an excellent way to get to know different places and people. And, of course, birds, birds and our environment are things we all have to take care of and protect Globally, Your show is one very good way to spread information about it. He also says he records nature sounds as a hobby and has sent us a little land soundscape, a little soundscape from last summer. Here's a little sample of it. It features most prominently a cuckoo, a song thrush, and toward the end, I think, a greenish warbler.
Pretty cool. A little soundscape there from central Finland and provided by Tapani Raylander, our newest Talking Birds ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, if you'd like to join uh, Tapani and uh, Robin and our other ambassadors, we hope you will. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with Kevin and Roxanne Reardon out in Boulder County, Colorado, about their work with Golden Eagles. Plus, we'll catch up with a man who has both red phase and gray phase eastern screech owls roosting in boxes in his backyard. That'll be our man, Mike O'Connor, with our Let's Ask Mike segment, talking about backyard hawks. And up next, we've winnowed down our list and settled on a most elusive shorebird as today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. A skilled military shooter sent to spot and pick off enemy soldiers from a concealed place is known as a sniper. But what's the origin of that word? Well, since it's this show that's asking the question, it might be reasonable to conclude that the answer has something to do with birds. And logic would dictate that the bird must be a snipe. The verb to snipe originated in the 1770s among soldiers in British India, where a hunter skilled enough to kill a snipe was referred to as a sniper. Snipes are fast-flying birds characterized by an erratic, twisting flight that makes them difficult to see and even more difficult to hit, especially using a flintlock firearm. It took an especially skilled shooter to bring down a snipe in flight. And maybe it was the snipe's elusiveness that led to the practical joke known as the snipe hunt, in which late at night, inexperienced campers are set off to catch an imaginary version of the bird and offered ridiculous methods of finding it, things like running around in the woods carrying a bag or making strange noises by, for example, banging rocks together. That rock thing might work for certain species of rails, but probably not for snipes including the imaginary kind. Well, this all brings us to today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, an actual bird called Wilson's Snipe. A medium-sized shorebird of wet, grassy areas whose stripy brown coloration camouflages it so well that it's often not seen before it's flushed from the grass. In attracting a mate or defending territory, the male produces a low, whistling sound called winnowing, produced by the flow of air over the outstretched curled tail feathers with each wing beat, like this. Wilson's snipe has short legs and a very long bill with a flexible tip that can be opened and closed without the rest of the bill moving at all. On that bill tip are sensory pits which allow the snipe to feel its prey deep in the mud. You can find Wilson's snipe in marshes all over the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, but you probably won't catch one by running around carrying a bag or banging some rocks together. Wilson's snipe, Galanago delicata. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. 
Welcome again to our show, number 703. Our website is TalkinBirds.com. Hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinBirds. We first became acquainted with Kevin and Roxanne Reardon when they signed on as Talking Birds ambassadors and subsequently learned about their work as volunteer raptor monitors up in the front range of the Colorado Rockies. And they're on the phone with us this morning to tell us about that work. Good morning, Kevin and Roxanne. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Great to have you on with us as guests this morning. And I'll start with you, Kevin, and just ask, you know, what, uh, what do raptor monitors do? Well, Ray, we, um, like you said, are volunteers with the City of Boulder and Boulder County, Colorado, open space programs. What we do is we work in the field from about January until July each year. We collect data on courtship, nest maintenance, egg incubation, and most importantly, we are hoping to um, report a successful fledge from the nest site each year hoping that uh, we have one or more juvenile golden eagles fledged from the nest. The data that we uh, collect is really important for our agencies because that helps ensure protection for the eagles. Mm. Two different organizations you uh, mentioned there, Kevin. Do they have uh, different objectives or kind of the same? No, I would say kind of the same. They, um, they go about it just a little bit differently, but the goal is the same for both. Roxanne, you have to hike to the nests to make your observations, I understand. It sounds pretty strenuous and maybe a little dangerous. Uh, well, it has been a couple of times. Um, and, Ray, I would just add that the city of Boulder, it's a much more urban setting, and mm -hmm. then the county is a much more rural setting. And so we, we see very different things in those, between those two agencies. Mm -hmm. um, yes, the hiking can be strenuous, and you've got to pack, and a, you've got to have a great spotting scope and, of course, very warm clothing because <laughs> you're going to be sitting there for a few hours watching mm -hmm. for eagles across the canyon. Yeah. Um, Yep, it's, but it, it's all worth it. It sounds like it. And, and, and by the way, this is the front range of the Rockies. Can you give a quick, quick description of what that means for those who aren't familiar? Yeah, we are, um, the city of Boulder is about 30 miles from Denver here, and the mountain backdrop behind the city of Boulder is what we do call the front range opposed to the Continental Divide, which is up even higher here. So our mountains run from, right in our backyard, run from about five to 8,000 feet. And we have what are known as the flat irons, which are these immense thousand foot tall um, sandstone formations that run for several miles along the mountains there, which is also the very best habitat for our golden eagles. Mm -hmm. Well, tell us about Flagstaff uh, Mountain, Kevin, which you've uh, described as your favorite site there. Yeah. Ray, um, Flagstaff Mountain is our favorite place. We've worked at about six different sites up and down the Front Range here, and we like Flagstaff the best because it is just west of Boulder. It's about a 12-mile drive from our house. Um, the nest closure itself in the nest is at around 6,000 feet in the, in the Front Range. It's, it's kind of snowy up there early season, but it turns into some really nice uh, wildflower country in the mm -hmm. spring. Um, the nest site is a perfect site for a golden eagle here it's a lot like with human beings it's all about location 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 and this site has everything we want or everything that the eagles want for a good site here um, it's on a rock face so it's well protected from predators it faces due east so they do get the nice morning sun 
and it has um, a roof over the top of it that protects them from the weather. And behind the nest site, we can see the Continental Divide, the big snowy peaks along the divide. So it's, it's just a great spot. Wow, it certainly sounds like it. Well, Roxanne was saying that this was all worth it despite all the cold and all that. But I'll ask uh, both of you, Kevin and Roxanne, what's the most rewarding part, would you say, of doing this? Well, Ray, I would say the most rewarding part, of course, is just watching these eagles and really getting to know them. The parrot flagstaff are a favorite because they communicate a lot with each other, and they're very attentive parents. Mm -hmm. And we've really gotten to know them, and um, the ultimate is to actually see uh, a juvenile fly off that nest. It's sort of like a young kid trying to get up the nerve to jump off the high dive for the first time and to see a eagle take its uh, a juvenile take its first flight is just the ultimate experience. Mm-hmm. The other thing is we these canyons, we get to watch what we call sky dancing and the adult eagle, it's almost as if they're playing, they will come in and they do, they fly very high, they pull in their wings and they dive and then they swoop back up and it's very exhilarating to got to watch these birds in their natural habitat. By the way, are there folks being sought for this? Uh, do, you, do you have a full complement of monitors or should people try to get involved in this out there? And how do they do it if, if so? Um, the, both agencies recruit and um, so people have an opportunity if they're interested and there are different kinds of sites that can accommodate different people's um, hiking ability and their interests um, and they monitor a lot of other kinds of birds, Ray, not just golden eagles. That mm-hmm. just happens to be the ones we love the most. Kevin, anything to add to that rewarding idea? What the greatest reward of doing this? Well, I'd have to agree with Roxanne here. When we've been lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time and see that juvenile that we've been watching for probably 70 days finally get up its nerve to jump out of the nest and fly around in a rather awkward manner on that first flight is is the best. It really is. To You know, these guys are flying machines, and, and there's nothing better than watching an eagle in flight. I would agree with Roxanne on that. Kevin and Roxanne Reardon serve as volunteer raptor monitors for the City of Boulder Open Space and Mountain Parks and the Boulder County Open Space Program, the front range of the Colorado Rockies. And they're also ambassadors for our show and for birds and conservation. And they are certainly citizen scientists. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you, Roxanne. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ray. Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera Safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera Safaris founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And the Sarah Safaris provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and gorilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safaris. See their website for details, nasarasafaris.com, N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. Just before our mystery bird contest, a message here from the folks who make our favorite coffee. That, of course, is birds and beans. Shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee. 
It's a very special message because right now you can get 12 12-ounce bags of delicious birds and beans coffee at a 25% discount. 25% off the price of this beautiful coffee assortment. Three bags of Scarlet Tanager Dark Roast. Three Chestnut-Sided Warbler Medium Roast. Two American Red Start Light Roast. Two Wood Thrush Medium Roast. One Baltimore Oriole Decaf. And one Kingbird Espresso. Twelve 12 12-ounce bags for just $120. That's a 25% discount. And wouldn't a coffee lover on your list love to have this as a holiday gift? Remember, Birds and Beans is the only coffee brand in the U.S. that is 100% certified Smithsonian, shade-grown, bird-friendly, USDA organic, and fair trade certified. Every bean and every bag help save birds, tropical forests, family farmers and their workers, local rural economies, and the earth we all share. And it is delicious coffee. Take advantage of this big discount offer, and please don't wait. It's a limited time. Order yours today at birdsandbeanscoffee.com. That's birdsandbeanscoffee.com. It's the quark bird. It's also our mystery bird. What is it? Tell us and win a beautiful raft of prizes or take a guess and maybe win anyhow. Don't necessarily have to get the right answer if nobody else does. It's that kind of a thing on our mystery bird contest. Here's the number, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Clues, our mystery bird is a medium-sized, stocky wading bird with a short neck and thick black bill, a black cap, gray wings, and white underparts. Our bird lives in various wetland habitats and sometimes in fields eating fish, frogs, lizards, and rodents. Grasping its prey rather than stabbing at it with its bill, as some of its cousins do. It's most active late in the day and at night. And as we mentioned, sometimes called the quawk bird because of that sound. Prizes include Droll Yankee's Window Mount Songbird Feeder. This is a wonderful feeder. Attaches right to your window, very securely, by the way, with suction cups. You can see the birds right up close. Nothing between you and the birds but your window. And it holds two cups of seed or fruit or mealworms. Bonus prizes. A download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. It's a cool thing. It's the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. And a 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. We love it, and you will too. Those are the prizes. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we're about to connect with Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and Mike O'Connor. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Well, here's a preview of another great nature book from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, publishers of the Peterson Field Guides, the Kaufman Field Guides, and many more useful guidebooks and reading books. The Guide to Walden Pond is the first guidebook to Henry David Thoreau's most defining place, visited by half a million people each year. Many more know it as the fountainhead of America's environmental consciousness. Using this guide, both armchair readers and trail walkers can join Thoreau devotee Robert Thorson on an amble around the pond's shoreline, stopping at 15 special places to explore people, events, and the natural world. Abundantly illustrated with photographs, drawings, and maps, 
This guide is a must-have for a meaningful, engaging tour of Walden Pond, as well as a souvenir of a visit. The Guide to Walden Pond is available wherever books are sold. Michael Connor is down there at the legendary Bird Watchers General Store, and we are fortunate to have him here on our program once again this morning. Good morning, Mike. We'd be really fortunate if we did have him, but apparently we don't have him. So uh, that's okay. We, we, we can do uh, something else here. But we might try one more time and see uh, if you're there. Are you there, Mike? I can hear you, bro. Oh, you could hear me, but I couldn't hear you. I see. Uh, well, sometimes it's better that way. It's like I could hear him, but he couldn't. Hear. Okay, <laughs> or you could hear. Hey, listen, I want to start off by congratulating you on your uh, 2018 Hat Full of Potatoes Day. I understand. Is this really true? You had 700 people come and get hats full of potatoes? I saw 700 hats yesterday, man. They were great. Wow. I, my favorite one was the beekeepers I had. Ooh. <laughs> A beekeeper's hat, not any uh, any uh, bees around in the hat. Though, right? I, you know, I, I should have been more careful, but no, there, <laughs> was, there, there wasn't any. But yeah, stocking hats and football helmets and, you know, football. Oh, did I say football already? That's all right. <laughs> Different so teams, excited. you know. Yeah, different teams. Wow. It was good. Yeah, it was a hit, and everybody got potatoes, so... Um, they could be, and as I say, they'd be so full of potatoes they won't eat any birds this coming Thursday. That's the whole idea, right? Yeah. Okay. And speaking of eating birds, yeah. I know some people some people eat birds, which I don't understand, but they do that. Yeah. And um, and to make things even worse for the birds, some birds eat other birds. Yeah, including the bird that was our mystery bird last week, right? That's correct. That was That's the right. sharp-shinned yeah, hawk. Yeah. Sharp-shinned hawk and his little big brother, the mm-hmm. Cooper's hawk, yeah. a notorious bird-eating hawks, and as the hawks that we see on the highways, those big hawks, the red-tailed hawks down south, the red-shouldered hawks, those are kind of out in uh, open area hawks, but the little woodland hawks are the most notorious bird-eating hawks, and they're the ones that chase our feeder birds around, and a lot of times people say, oh, the birds aren't coming to my feeder, and that's because you might have a, a hawk patrolling in the area and the birds will give you a wide berth. Sometimes you'll even look out and some guy yesterday said, he goes, I had a, a woodpecker just like sat on my feeder and wouldn't move. I thought there was something wrong with it. Well, they'll freeze. They'll freeze solid yeah. if they say there's a hawk around. And, you know, there's not a whole bunch you can do if you're worried about that. If you have a hawk patrolling your feeder, you can take your feeders in. Um, you know, they, they say, in the, you know, they, they, the guidebooks say, well, take your feeders in, and then the hawks will move on, and they will, yeah. and then the birds will come back, but the, probably the hawks are going to come back, too. <laughs> That's the downside. Right? That's where, oh, we done? Yeah. So what, well, what I tell people to do is I throw out whole corn. Whole corn. Whole corn. That brings the crows, yeah. and the hawks don't mess with the crows. Ah. The crows sound the alarm, and they keep the hawks away. And so that's my little trick there. All right, that sounds like a pretty good trick. Well, that music came on early because we know you have to go and pick up all that potato peeling that's out there. So. <laughs> that's what's going on. That's right. Hey, everybody, have a great uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, don't eat any birds, and we'll talk to you next week, Ray. All right, Mike. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. On to the mystery bird contest again. Uh, the sound of our bird. A medium-sized, stocky wading bird with a short neck and thick black bill, a black cap, gray wings, and white underparts. And uh, we have... Uh, 
Mr. Charlie there in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Oh, wait a minute. I think we have Kathy first. Am I right? We have Kathy in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Uh, good morning, Kathy. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Mystery Bird, what do you say? I guessed a green heron. A green heron. That is a top quality guess there, but... Yeah. There's Tim. I just heard you say white, so I figured out that's wrong. Oh, well. Try us again, <laughs> Kathy. Okay. All right. We're almost out of time. We go to Scott in Waupun, Wisconsin. Good morning, Scott. Hello, Ray. Hello, Scott. Mystery bird, what do you say? I'm saying a black crown night heron, Ray. Tim is nodding and smiling as he does when the right answer comes in, as you have just done. Nice job, Scott. Hey, I'm sorry we're so short on time, but thanks for calling in. Stand the line, and we'll take mm -hmm. care of things. Gotcha. Thank All you. Right. Scott there in Waupun, Wisconsin, uh, correctly identifying our mystery bird, the black-crowned night heron. Holy cow, we are just about out of time. Thanks to Mark Duffield. Debbie Bleacher and our engineer Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown echoing Mike O'Connor and saying happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee, birdsandbeans.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club offers bird walks, lectures, and a quarterly newsletter all focused on the hundreds of bird species that pass through Rhode Island. Fall is the perfect time to bid farewell to the last of the summer migrants. Find us at oceanstatebirdclub.org and follow us on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Tweet, 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 tweet.